Good evening, everybody. My name's Ed. I'm one of the pastors here at our church. And tonight I'm going to be sharing with us three short reflections from the scriptures on what it means for God to be for us. I wonder if you've ever asked God the question that this criminal just asked Jesus. God, will you remember me? God, am I welcome in your kingdom? God, is there going to be a place for me in paradise? Well, the good news of Good Friday is that God is for us because God welcomes sinners. That is the wonderful news of Good Friday. God is for us because God welcomes sinners. And as I say that, you might think, oh dear, does that mean that I have to become a sinner to be welcomed by God? Well, the good news is uh, you actually already are a sinner. And uh, so let me, let me share with you why that is and, and, uh, and show you that it is actually a liberating thing. It's actually a good thing to know that that's who you are because it's like receiving a diagnosis for a sickness that you know you've got, but you can't quite put your finger on it. Well, we'd, uh, we'd all agree, wouldn't we, that the world is not the way that it's meant to be. The Bible says the world is not the way it's meant to be because you and I are not the way that we're meant to be. The Bible says that God is not like a, a, a divine judge, a, a divine lawgiver, just ticking off yeses and nos and what you do and don't do for him. No, he is a loving, caring, generous, present Heavenly Father. You are living in God's world. You are living under his roof. You are breathing his air, enjoying the blessings of his provision, his safety, his security. You enjoy life and laughter. You enjoy food and shelter. You enjoy this beautiful harbour city. And yet so few of us even stop to say thank you. I run a small catering business on weekends. I only have three customers. Uh, their names are Tommy, George and Matilda. They are my children. And uh, across the course of the weekend, I field all number of requests for food from these three little uh, members of the household. Daddy, I want cut up watermelon. Daddy, I want a veggie might say, no, Dad, not square cheese. I want a grated cheese. And I have to go again and again. I'm getting all these things. And as I give the food to them, I insist that my children stop, look me in the eyes, and say, thanks, Dad. You know, so many of us live in God's world without even turning to him to say thanks. Not only are we often ungrateful, an even more confronting truth is that actually we actively oppose God's presence in his world. Uh, you might have been appalled to hear about the way that the Roman soldiers treated Jesus in the first word that Anthony read to us. But the sad reality is that the way that physically they attacked Jesus, the Son of God, God with us, God in the flesh. Well, the way they physically attacked him, we go against God spiritually and relationally. Take a look with me, verse 27. The governors gathered around Jesus, a whole company, and they mocked him. And we do it, don't we? We, we gather together in groups and we write books and blogs and opinion pieces, uh, waxing lyrical about uh, God's uh, improbability of his existence or, or perhaps his impotence to solve world suffering. 
They twisted a crown together and set it on his head. They put purple robe on him and they mocked his kingship. And God says that his Bible is, is like an edict from the king, but it's maligned, isn't it? It's mocked, it's ridiculed in our society. They spit on him and they took a staff and struck him again and again on the head. They inflicted physical wounds. We inflict relational wounds on God. We use his name as a swear word. We, we say to God, you know, get stuffed. God, who are you to tell me what to do in my life? They led Jesus out to crucify him. We'd never say it with our lips, would we? But we scream it with our lives. We say, God, keep out of this life. I'm the boss. I'm going to rule this life this way, when I want, how I want, with whoever I want. The bad news of Good Friday is that every single one of us, every single one of us, has done this in different ways, different shapes, different forms. Friends, we here, we are all sinners. We're all in the same camp. But here's the good news of Easter Friday. The good news of Good Friday is that the prayer Jesus prayed in verse 34 is a prayer he prayed for you and for me as well. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. The kingdom of heaven is not going to be filled with good people. The kingdom of heaven will be filled with people who know they're not good, who know that they've not been the people that they should have been, but have come to God and received his wonderful welcome of forgiveness. On the cross either side of Jesus, God fortuitously put the two choices that face every sinner who has ever lived, you and me, the two choices are there. We can be like that first criminal that Anthony read to us about, who sat on the on that who hung on that cross, and he continued in his sin. He hurled insults at the Son of God, and he died a hopeless death. But there was another criminal who acknowledged his sin. He acknowledged that he was getting what he deserved, and he called out, and he said, "God, will you remember me? Jesus, can I be part of your kingdom?" Will you welcome me into paradise? Well, the wonderful news that Jesus shared with that man that day is an offer that still stands today. Truly, I tell you, Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. And that's an offer to you here tonight. It's a paradise that is so good. It's bursting into the present life. It's not sipping pina coladas on the beach. No, it's a paradise of being in relationship with the living God, living the way that you were created to live, the paradise of transformed relationships with the people around you, of peace in your heart, joy in your soul. All those things are on offer. The good news of Good Friday is that God is for you because he welcomes sinners. Will you accept that invitation? I got so excited I forgot to pray the prayer. (laughs) Let's respond to our Heavenly Father in prayer. Heavenly Father, how we marvel at your grace and mercy. When we cry out to you, you hear us. When we ask you to remember us, when you come into your kingdom, you offer that certain promise of paradise. 
Lord, your grace and mercy exceeds anything we might imagine. We come to you today trusting in you and you alone. We come to you today confident of your forgiveness and your love. So we pray, Lord Jesus, remember us when you come into your kingdom. Amen. It's a beautiful thing, isn't it, that God welcomes sinners to himself. But here's the question that that brings about for me. If God welcomes sinners, how does that not compromise who God is? I don't want to come to a holy God if my unholiness makes him filthy? How can God welcome a a whole bunch of sinners with all our injustice, all our unrighteousness, all our unholiness, if it doesn't compromise or bring down his holiness, his justice, his righteousness? Well, if our first reflection dealt with what it is that God does at Easter, that he welcomes sinners... Our second reflection reflects on how it is that God does that, how God welcomes sinners. Our second reflection is that God is for us because he sacrificed his only son. How do you know that God is for you? Not, not, not you, the world, not us as a, as a human race, not even us collectively as a church community. How do you know He's for you, you, Rowena, you, Nick, you, Peter. How do you know that God is for you individually? Well, when I was a young boy, I got told that I could know that God is for me because Jesus sacrificed his life for me. I also got told that the Anzacs sacrificed their lives for me, so I was in a bit of a dilemma. What difference is Jesus' sacrifice to an Anzac? I only remember the Anzacs on Anzac Day. Why should Jesus be so much more significant? Well, as I was asking this question in my life, I heard a story that I want to share with you that helps me understand what it means that Jesus died for you. There was a king, a king who ruled over a beautiful, grand, prosperous kingdom carved into the rock faces of a grand canyon. The kingdom was prosperous. The kingdom was beautiful. The kingdom was safe and secure. There were only two entrances in and out of this kingdom. But the very best thing about this kingdom was its king. He was a good king. Everybody knew this king was good, and he knew everyone in his kingdom by name. He would even take from his own table and give to the hungry. He'd take from his own storehouses and supply the needs of the needy. The king was also a just king, a just and fair king. He ruled his kingdom well, and everyone knew that there were rules in the kingdom, but they were for their good. They were for everyone's good. They were for the prosperity of the people. Well, tragically, one day, the king's attendants discovered that someone had been stealing from the king's storehouses. They didn't know who it was, and they reported it to the king This was high treason. This was betrayal, not only of the king, but of the kingdom as well. He would have given to anyone if they just asked. And so he declared a just punishment, 50 lashings. It was effectively a death sentence. 
he'd hoped that it would just stop whoever this thief was from what they were doing. Sadly, it continued. And so he regretfully sent out his attendants to watch over the kingdom, watch over the storehouses and the entrances. And deep in the middle of one night, a thief was caught creeping back into the kingdom, laden with jewels from the surrounding kingdom. The thief was rushed before the king's presence, derobed in front of the king to his horror. There was his mother. She was the thief. Word spread like wildfire around the kingdom. People were woken up in the middle of the night. The thief has been found. The thief is the king's mother. The kingdom began to gather around the king's palace. And at morning time, he asked them all to, to come back to the king's courtyard, where at dawn, a verdict, uh, sorry, at, uh, at noon, a verdict would be passed down. They thought to themselves, what is our king going to do? He's a good king. He can't put his mother to death. He's a just king. He can't dust his hands of her crime. Well, the king stayed in his palace with his chief attendant and his mother, and he deliberated. The kingdom gathered, and at noon, out came the king's chief attendant, leading the king's mother, bound hand and foot, with a bag over her head, covering her from the shame. She was led up in front of the whole kingdom, and before they knew it, bang, down came the lashings. Bang, on her back. The whole kingdom seemed to shake and shudder as they felt the, the whip hit, hit her back. They looked around and thought, isn't our king good? How could he do this to his mother? He's going to have her put to death. And the lashings kept coming down. She stood to 30. She collapsed to her hands and knees to 40. And at 47 lashings, she fell down dead. As the king's chief attendant bent down to grab her corpse off the stage, there was utter silence from the crowd. And as he went down from that stage, the bag that had been covering her head fell from its place. And there was the king, dead in his mother's place. That story is based on a true story. In the true story, the betrayer of the king and the kingdom is you and me. We have betrayed God by rejecting his rule, by sinning against him in all the different ways that we thought about before. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. But the good news, God is for you, friends, at Easter. We remember God is for you because there is a good king who has died in your place. King Jesus died the death that you and I deserve. In our reading that Beck brought to us before, Jesus was forsaken so that you could be forgiven. Jesus was thirsty so that you could be quenched. Jesus took all your sin and all of its, all of its consequences, all of its curses, so that you could have all of his righteousness and all of its blessings. The most famous verse of the Bible is John 3.16. A verse that sums up what the whole message of the Bible is about. A verse that declares that God is for us. It says, God so loved the world, God so loved you, that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Friends, at Easter time, remember 
God is for you because he sacrificed his only son in your place. With three small words, Jesus declared God's rescue mission complete. A welcome for sinners. He'd accomplished the death that he came to die in your and my place. Jesus declared, it is finished. Friends, if Easter is all about what God has done for you, what do you think it is that God wants you to do for him this Easter? That's the topic of our third reflection tonight. God is for us because he's done it all. Well, have you ever been invited to someone's house and they say to you, please come over and don't bring anything? And it sends you into a panic. What do I bring when I'm told not to bring anything? So you start overcompensating and you think, well, you know, I'll, I'll bring some flowers because they never go wrong and maybe just something to eat, so some chocolates and what about some wine in case we drink some red wine and then you think, oh, maybe a condiment would help as well. And, oh, just chuck in some serviettes. You've got a whole hamper when you turn up at someone's house when they've said, don't bring anything. And God says to you at Easter, come to me. Come to me and don't bring a thing. But we're Australian. We find it so hard. and We want to bring stuff. We want to contribute, don't we? We want to play our part in what God's doing. You know, I go to church, God. I got baptised. I, I read my Bible. I'm a good person. My family helped build this church. All these different things that we say to God. God says, come to me. I've done it all. I've done it all. I don't want your religion. I want your relationship. I don't want you to bring flowers. I want fellowship. I don't want red wine. I want relational richness. I don't want a condiment. I want your company. I, I, I don't want serviettes from you. I want to serve you. I want to love you and pour my love out upon you. And if you need proof to know that God's done it all, well, it comes in the events that surrounded the time that Jesus died in our seventh word. Verse 44, it was about noon and darkness came over the whole land. This isn't the darkness of a solar eclipse because it happened during Passover, a time celebrated at the new moon, at the full moon, sorry. So this is a different type of darkness. Verse 45 tells us the sun had stopped shining. This is a darkness brought about by God as he pours out his righteous anger and his justice on his only son, his sinless son. As he was dying, the temple curtain tore in two. The curtain was uh, of the temple, uh, sorry, the temple itself was the heart of the city of Jerusalem, which was the heart of the nation of Israel, God's people. At the heart of God's people, at the heart of this temple, stood the Holy of Holies, a place where God's presence dwelt. And the Holy of Holies was surrounded by this giant, big, thick curtain. It was like a huge barrier saying, keep out. Unholy people, sinful people, can't come into the presence of God unless their sin is atoned for. 
This huge curtain stood around the Holy of Holies. But at the moment Jesus died, on the other side of the city to which he was being crucified, the temple curtain was torn in two. Another account of Jesus' life tells us that the the curtain was torn from top to bottom. It was heaven declaring the way to God has finally been opened up. It was as if God's heart was bursting out of the Holy of Holies to say, the way is open. I want relationship with you. Jesus has done it all. You can come to me. You can come to me and you don't have to bring a thing. Come to me and enjoy relationship. Well, God doesn't want you to bring your religion to him. He wants you to receive the finished work of Jesus. When Jesus said, it is finished, it was like a stamp on your spiritual record. It says at the top of your record, it is finished. Jesus paid it all. You are done. I'm related to Australian banking royalty. My wife's auntie is Gail Kelly, former CEO of Westpac Bank. We used to bank with Westpac and I know that at the top of our record, it has relation to Gail Kelly. And uh, we now only have just a tiny bit of money in this account, like $7,000. But we get rock star treatment. They called me up the other day. Oh, Mr. Yorston, your, your credit card has arrived. Would you like us to express post it to you? Uh, you know, we're, we're getting emails about um, gathering with their high net worth customers. And we are not high net worth to Westpac Bank. <laughs> But they treat us so wonderfully because her name's at the top of my profile. Friends, if you put your trust in Jesus Christ, his finished work on the cross is at the top of your spiritual record. It says he's done it all. Past, present, future. It is finished was his declaration over your life. You just need to receive it, to take hold of it, to say, yes, God. I want that death Jesus died to be a death died for me. I'm not sure where you're at in your relationship with the living God. I don't know if you've taken that step yet. We want to give you four little Easter gifts to take away and help you move further forward in that relationship with God. We've got for you an account of Jesus' life, the Gospel of Matthew, one of Jesus' close friends. friends. We'd love you to take that away and read it. Everyone's got an opinion about the Bible, don't they? So few people have actually read it themselves. Have the, 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 uh, I guess, the academic credibility to read it yourself and have a think about what it says. We would, uh, perhaps you want to go away and reflect more on what Easter's all about. We've got this little card that just reflects on the meaning of Easter. We'd love you to flick through that. We'd love you to keep coming and meeting with us here at Church by the Bridge as week in, week out, We think about what it means for God to be for us. On the back of this card, you'll see all our different service times. And we'd love you to come and gather and think how to receive this finished work of Jesus and how to delight in the wonderful truth of being part of the family of God and living for God. Lastly, you might want to think about exploring these issues further with people who are asking similar questions. And we run a course called Christianity Explored. Seven weeks where we go to the heart of the Christian faith, the man Jesus Christ, and we ask, what was he on about? What was his mission? What does it look like to follow him? And, uh, and how can we know what he was on about?
We run this course starting on the 30th of April. We've got a morning course with childminding from 10 a.m. to 11.30 here at the church. And on Tuesday evenings, Tuesday the 30th, we start with an evening course, 7 p.m. for dinner, discussion, a little talk, and and some uh, conversations about Jesus. We would love you to take up that offer and come and think more about what God has done for you and what we've been celebrating here this Easter. But maybe tonight you do want to reach out and you do want to say, God, I want relationship with you. I want to receive this finished work that Jesus did on my behalf. I want to know that I am in the right with the living God. Well, we can all do that and we do it as we pray. I'm going to give you a chance to read over this next prayer that we're going to pray together. And then for those who are willing, I'm going to ask you to pray with me that response prayer. those who'd like to reach out to God and enjoy his gift of Jesus in their place, let's pray this prayer. I trust in you, O Lord. You are my God. You are my refuge. Into your hands I commit my spirit. Gracious Lord, we trust you and you alone to be our saviour. We submit to your sovereignty over our lives. We give our entire being body, soul, and spirit into your loving hands. We seek to live for your glory alone. By the power of your Holy Spirit, help us to love and serve you always. Here I am, Lord, available to you, both now and in the future. In the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.